Apoxy. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, brand new from Ottawa, Ontario, Mother's Children with Everybody's Doing It on the fabulous deranged record label out of the Sunshine Coast, British Columbia. The Sunshine Coast, which isn't far from desolation sound and today on the Nardwarta human serviette radio show an interview with the author of a brand new book that concerns desolation sound adventures in solitudes grant lawrence today on the Nardwar the human serviette radio show and to prepare you for grant lawrence author of adventures in solitude here are the band and here is the band boats because you have to Take a boat to get to Grant's place in Desolation Sound. Boats from Winnipeg. Yeah. 
you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the band Boats from Winnipeg with haircuts for everybody. And right now we have a caller on the line. Hello, caller. Are you there? Yes, I am, Nardwar. I'm calling in from Ganges Harbor, Salt Spring Island, who? British Columbia. And who are you? My name is Grant Lawrence, and uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, I guess, a uh, ex-musician, new author. Of a book called Adventures in Solitude, named after a new pornographer's tune. What does that say about an author when they name their book after a new pornographer's tune? A band, a new pornographer's, that your own band, the Schmugglers, was always chasing after. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, in fact, uh, there's a, I think I have a framed uh, George Strait review of a gig from around 2002 uh, when the, the uh, new pornographers had to play cleanup after the smugglers at the Commodore one night. But anyhow, yeah, what does it say about me that I can't even come up with my own title, that I have to rely on a non-copyrighted uh, title of a, of, a, of a band that I like a lot. But Grant, you are still going strong in the publicity department. Congratulations for getting into the Georgia Strait Music Notes! Uh, now, yes. what can you tell the people about your obsession, your Grant Lawrence <laughs> obsession, Grant Lawrence, the author of Adventures in Solitude's obsession with music notes of the Georgia Strait and the competition you sometimes have with people? <laughs> Well, uh, I have long held the belief that when it comes to the Georgia Strait, Vancouver's uh, weekly entertainment paper, that uh, when it comes to the music section, besides the ads, the only thing that is ever read in the entire paper is music notes. So if you get in music notes, people know what you're doing. If you don't get into music notes, nobody really knows anything. And, of course, people, if they read the music notes this week, would see that this Monday coming up, you're going to be reading selections from your book at the Vancouver Public Library. What time on Monday? Uh, at 7 p.m. I'll also be showing a movie and slides. The slides didn't really work at the museum when I did it a few uh, weeks ago, so the slides will be happening. And then also uh, my wife, Jill Barber, will be singing a couple of songs. Just to begin, Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, what is Desolation Sound, for the people that don't know, and how does it apply to your brand new book? Uh, Desolation Sound is a collection of, isle of mountainous islands and inlets and coves and lakes uh, that uh, can be found at the very north end of the Sunshine Coast, beyond the end of the road. It's boat access only, popular cruising ground for yachts and sailboats in the summertime. And in the wintertime, it's completely desolate and empty, which is why Captain Vancouver named it Desolation Sound uh, in a pit of depression in uh, 1792, uh, him being the first Caucasian to ever sail into those waters. Now, Grant Lawrence, you've sent me many, many postcards over the years, but I don't think I ever got a postcard from you from Desolation Sound. How come? Well, Desolation Sound does not have great merch, 
they, I have many times considered just starting to make Desolation Sound merch. And with this book, I think I finally have, you know, the, the actual reason to do it. There's no real post. You can get a post. The closest thing you can get to a postcard uh, from Desolation Sound is you can get a Refuge Cove postcard, which is homemade. But if you want sort of the classic uh, postcard, you can get a Lund postcard. But, yeah, there's nothing that says Desolation Sound on it, unfortunately. Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude. You really are working this book hard. You're playing the fish stores. Did you play a fish store? What can you tell the people about your promo visits that actually include right now here live on the Nardwater Human Serviette radio show? And if anybody has any questions for Grant, it's 604-822-2487 604-UBC-CITR. Grant is phoned in many times to CITR radio, often going, get off the air, not only to me, but to my guests. So please return the favor, CITR listeners, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions for Grant Lawrence from The Schmugglers and author of the brand new book, Adventures in Solitude. So Grant, your promo tour, did you play a fish store? Did you read your book in a fish store? Uh, no, it, what it was was Lefty's Seafood Restaurant in Parksville, British Columbia. Yes, it looks torn from uh, the itinerary of Neil Hamburger, but yes, it was my own gig. It was, In fact, it was my first live gig as a quote-unquote artist since the smugglers stopped touring, and it was in Lefty's Seafood Restaurant in Parksville, B.C. And what I didn't know was that Parksville is a real seniors community. I, I wasn't aware of that. So um, the, uh, the crowd kind of resembled a cross between the cast of Cocoon and Golden Girls. Baboon! And you, Grand Lawrence, have had some experience in being on your own because it all goes back to the Schmugglers, your original band. Well, actually, the Joanna Jackson, your original band. I was a bit confused because in your brand new book, Adventures in Solitude, you don't really talk about the transition from the one eyed Jacks to the Smugglers too no. much, even though the Smugglers has an allusion to Bowen Island, another island. Are people talking to you a lot about islands now, now that you have a book about the West Coast? Are people really into thinking that you know a lot about all the different different islands like tell me about bowen tell me about gibson's yeah i mean and like for instance i'm on salt spring right now and this is the first time i've ever been on salt spring island in my entire life and people are like what what are you crazy you know it's it's so it's so great it's so popular it's this hippie haven i've never been here but um the reason that i've never been to salt spring and i haven't been on bowen that often besides a few banger parties uh in high school is because we, I was always dragged to Desolation Sound. Uh, the Smugglers played a few Gulf Islands. Uh, we played Galliano Island. Then uh, a little bit further north, we played Denman Island. But um, no, we, I, I, I don't know that much uh, about the B.C. coast outside of Desolation Sound. But now you're on Salt Spring Island, where a very infamous gig went down, DOA and Fishbone on Salt Spring Island. That is when we knew in Vancouver that the Vancouver music scene had finally taken off, when DOA and Fishbone played on Salt Spring. Maybe now that you're there, Grant, you can check to see if that gig actually did happen, and if you know anybody that ever went to that gig. I'd love to find out about that famous DOA Fishbone on Salt Spring. Well, I was just in a, in a little restaurant called The Treehouse, and I noticed in the bathroom uh, there are framed pictures of musicians on the wall. One, Tom Hooper, 
the bassist of Grapes of Wrath, and two, Craig Northey, the uh, guitarist of The Odds, both friends of yours. Uh, also, uh, I, so I went by the community hall on Salt Spring Island in Fulford Harbor and noticed that Delhi to Dublin from Vancouver are playing a sold-out gig tomorrow night. So, yes, I've, I've kind of done my, my rock research already. As always. So, Grant, referring back to the smugglers, you branching solo started a long time ago. What can you tell the people about your opening for the corn dogs? <laughs> well, uh, in the summer of 1991, the smugglers were doing an absolutely terrible tour. We toured. Um, back uh we water skied behind uh, a mud honey tour across canada and when you're water skiing on tour that's a really bad thing because it means uh, that some really powerful big band is in front of you and you're just kind of dragging behind uh on a rope and so mud honey in 1991 were huge they were touring across Canada. The Young Fresh Fellows and the Smugglers were touring like the next night, every night, right across the country. And everyone had, was uh, totally partied out, so nobody went to our shows. And we believe me, we've heard every excuse in the book, but that was uh, one of the first experiences of that. And so uh, we, the tour went to Toronto. Great gig, Shadowy Men, Shadowy Planet, The Young Fresh Fellows and The Smugglers. No one showed up at the Opera House because Mud Honey was the night before. But then we're in Toronto and we have to get back. And uh, this was the booking: Toronto, night off, night off, Calgary at the Westward Inn, uh, the, one of the worst bars of all time. It's where the Vindicators got their start, and uh, so. We were opening for Dare to Dream, the Corn Dogs, a uh, Toronto Roots band uh, that were possibly the most boring band I've ever seen in my life. But uh, as we were traveling across the country, various members said, look, I, I can't do this. Our guitarist Nick Thomas said, I've got to fly home to start university. It's going to take too long. So he flew home. We got rid of the bassist, who was an animal, just like the Muppet Show guy. Complete animal. His name was Anthony. Got rid of him, dumped him at the side of the road, and then kept going. Just me, Dave Carswell, the guitarist, and Paul Preminger, rest in peace, the drummer. And we got to Calgary, and we said, well, we, we can't do a show with this this combination. This is pathetic. I mean, this is way before the White Stripes or the Gories, right? We didn't know that you could do shows that stripped down. So we, uh, we, we decided, okay, well, look, Grant, you, Dave Carswell said, Grant, you start the show with some stand-up. <laughs> you warm up the crowd with about 15 minutes of stand-up comedy. And uh, then I will come on and join you, and we will resurrect our park royal mall busking days where we would do john denver and billy joel then paul will come up and we'll do some very simple 60s covers and that will be the show it'll be like a variety show everybody will love it my jokes were answered with dead silence from the like four corndogs fans who were in the house and the most ironic thing about that gig is that we were paid a guarantee of 300 bucks, 
which trivia fans marks the highest the evaporators have ever been paid. Ba-boom! What's good about gangs, Grant? They carpool. Ba-boom! That was one of the jokes. So you actually have been doing this for quite a long time, so it was quite easy for you to slide into writing a book, wasn't it, and going on tour by yourself? Uh, it, it was. It, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, gee, you know, you're... I didn't know you could write, and but Smugglers fans will know, at least the diehard ones will know, that I've been keeping tour diaries for years and years and years. I mean, I kept tour diaries all through the 90s. They're still up at smugglers.com. Hardly anybody reads them. And, uh, yeah, they're... they're uh, they're, they do uh, quite, and so the, the writing was not that difficult for me. I just sat down. It, it was more the discipline of actually just getting it done. And you actually did write the book, Grant Lawrence, because some authors dictate the book. They yeah. dictate it. Did you actually write the book? I did. Like, for instance, one of my favorite goalies, Martin Brodeur, uh, you know, he puts out a book, or any sort of sports star puts out a book. It's always like, Martin Brodeur, Beyond the Crease, and then it'll say in little tiny letters, with uh, Martin Keller. And it's like, what? And Martin Keller is the guy who actually wrote the book, just some sports journalist. And Martin, all he did was basically interview Martin Brodeur like 20 times. The book is gripping, though, I must say, Grant Lawrence, author of oh. Adventures in Solitude. You actually succeeded in making a story of digging a backyard well exciting. <laughs> you took all your smugglers' tour stories and put it into that. What can you tell the people at the backyard well? Like, you made that story exciting. Well, Congratulations. I was, I was wondering if that one was exciting or if, if that was, like, the most boring point of the entire book i you know that's my biggest fear is i never want to be boring in anything i do and so i did question that part i'm like oh is this part the boring part um but yeah that uh the well part is if you must know is uh we needed fresh water at the cabin up in i mean this is amazing this shows your craft grant we won't go any more than that okay. you needed fresh water at the cabin and you made that exciting thank you grant lawrence <laughs> author of adventures in solitude yes i was ready to bail the book right then and there but you kept me going somehow you kept me going through all that grant lawrence authors of author not authors because well actually there are some did you have an editor at all for this yeah i did have an editor his name is silas white he is the son of uh, Howard White. And, you know, what's funny is I bumped into him at an Elliot Brood gig at Richards on Richards a couple of years ago. And uh, I said, he said to me, oh, hey, I'm Silas. And I said, oh, hi, I'm Grant. And he goes, well, I know you. I played hockey on the Lads uh, hockey team from Toronto. Who have an amazing calendar. Yeah, and, you know, it's for their total, like, they're into the who and mod stuff and everything. And uh, he, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, right. So do you live in Toronto? And he goes, well, no, I was actually going to school there, but I own my own publishing company here in Vancouver. It's called Nightwood Publishing, and I do poetry and stuff. And I said, oh, well, I'm actually writing a book right now and hoping to get it published. And he said, oh, well, what's it about? I said, Desolation Sound. He said, well, my dad is Howard White, who runs Harbor Publishing and has done so for the past excuse me, for the past 30 years. 
and uh, you know, Sunshine Coast, West Coast Adventure books. So I said, oh, that would be great. So he said, well, send them a manuscript. So I printed out a manuscript, and I sent it to Howard White at Harbor Publishing, and I never heard anything. I just thought, oh, they, they must have hated it. And then, so then the book went through like six different revisions, and by that time I got a literary agent, and the agent was sending the book to all the big publishers across Canada. And all these big publishers in Toronto was like, this sucks. Uh, it's about BC. This has no appeal to anyone. Uh, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever read. Who does this stupid guy think he is? And Silas White emailed me out of the blue. This is like three years after meeting him at Richards on Richards. He said, hey, whatever happened to your book? And I said, well, what are you talking about? I, 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 I mailed it to your dad like a year ago, and now I'm into like the sixth edition, and we're going through different, you know, uh, publishing companies. We've got maybe one or two lined up. So, he, so Silas called up his dad and said, Dad, do you have a manuscript by Grant Lawrence sitting on your desk? And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I think so. It might be in this stack on my desk. And Silas said, well, grab it and read it right now because you might miss this book. And uh, so Howard read it. He called me up and he said, I want to publish this book. And I said, well, you were my first choice, but I didn't think you liked it. He said, I didn't know I had it. Harbor ended up putting out the book. It is now number one on the uh, BC bestsellers list and number seven in Canada. Congratulations, Grant. That's quite amazing. Who exactly is buying the book? Do you know? <laughs> well, I went down to the West Vancouver Indigo uh, outlet down in the Park Royal South Mall where the liquor store used to be before they moved it off First Nations land and into the north end of the liquor store and uh, the north end of the Park Royal Mall. So remember where that liquor store used to be, South End? I only remember the Westview liquor store because it was open till 9. Uh, yeah, that's true. But anyhow, um, so the, the Park Royal Indigo, I went there, huge bookstore, and I, they had like 50 copies of my book. And you bought them to put it to number one. <laughs> no, but they, I, I will tell you a story about that in a second when I was in a very cynical bookstore yesterday in Victoria. But... Uh, I said, 50 copies, and they said, well, you're from West Van, and we keep having people coming in asking about it, so we thought we'd better order a bunch. So I signed all 50 copies, each one with a personalized message, a la the toilet paper in every one of the up-and-down Smuggler's 7-inch. But I was also in this bookstore in uh, Victoria yesterday, and I, I said, yeah, I'm very excited. You know, the book is number one on uh, the BC bestsellers list. And the woman said, oh, so what, you sold like 10 books last week? Ba-boom! Yeah. And you are Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, live here on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions for Grant about his book, Adventures in Solitude, his rock and rolling with the Schmugglers, or any CBC question, Grant has been at the CBC how many years now, Grant? Twelve years. Twelve years. So we have someone on the line, Grant Lawrence, with 12 years worth of CBC experience ready to answer your questions about the CBC if you want to. 
Grant, your book, Adventures in Solitude, is about Desolation Sound, is about your family retreat in Desolation Sound. But for a long time, you didn't like the place and you didn't go there. What was the impetus to get you back to your family retreat? Was it one subhuman, Jerry Hanna, and camping with him? <laughs> um, well, that, I definitely did camp with Jerry Hanna of the Subhumans and heard some incredible stories about him being in prison and stuff like that. That was uh, really interesting. And uh, him being involved in an Ocala prison riot, that was pretty incredible. Uh, but no, it was uh, Nick Thomas from The Smugglers, who's a real outdoorsman, uh, really big into fishing. When The Smugglers started winding down, you know, he, he said, um, we should go back up to your cabin since we're not touring so much in the summertime anymore. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to go up there. And he convinced me, convinced me, convinced me. And, you know, it was kind of an interesting bookend uh, because he did eventually convince me to go, and I really loved it, and I've been going up ever since. But interesting smuggler's bookend that nobody really knows about. And I don't really think this is in the book, but uh, him and I, when we were young teenagers, uh, were sitting in um, my little aluminum boat fishing in Desolation Sound, and we decided it was in the little aluminum boat that we decided to break up our first band, the One-Eyed Jacks, and form a new band called The Smugglers. Then about 15, 16, I don't know, whatever it was, 15 or 16 years later, in fishing in that very same boat, uh, I told them, hey, you know, Dave Carswell gave me a call at the, um, at the Oakover Dock, uh, that's where I would take calls before I had a cell phone, and he doesn't want he 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 doesn't want to tour anymore. So I think that's that's it for the smugglers, or he doesn't want to tour for a while or something like that. Um, so I said, uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. Uh, so we kind of formed and ended in that little aluminum boat. Well, Nick kind of helped you get back to Desolation Sound because you'd been there when you were younger. However, Jerry Hanna, when you were camping with Jerry Hanna, you would sleep with a knife. And in your book, when you returned to Desolation Sound, you would go out with a machete. That's so it true. really was the punk subhumans that got you back to the land. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, could, you could say that. Yes, I camped with, with Jerry Hanna a few times. I also, sum the only mountain I've ever summited in my life going up the, above the tree line to the very, very top peak, the rocky peak, and standing at the very, very top of it was with Jerry Hanna of the Subhumans. It was a mountain in uh, the Cascades, just, uh, it, just up the, uh, the Coquihalla a bit. Grant, on page 124 of your book, you talk about a gentleman named Russell setting you up for your rock and roll lifestyle. But maybe let me offer up this particular fact. I would like to argue that Jackie Thomas, Nick Thomas's sister, is more important than Russell because Jackie Sonics... Jackie Sonics invested <laughs> you into the Sonics by buying you into the Sonics franchise. What can you tell the people about Jackie Thomas and the Sonics versus Russell? Well, the name Jackie Sonics would be a great lead singer name, but uh, a great punk rock handle. But uh, maybe uh, Justin Banel can uh, force someone to use that name in one of his bands. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Jackie Thomas, the sister of Nick Thomas, uh, was record shopping in a weird little book nook type place 
at the uh, little bookstore thing. The bookstall. The bookstall behind the West Vancouver McDonald's which was, uh, used to be on Marine Drive at 15th. And uh, so behind the McDonald's was this weird little bookstore that also had records. And she was flipping through the records, and she hit upon the most, the, probably the, one of the greatest rock and roll albums of all time, the blueprint of all punk rock and garage rock, this, Here Are the Sonics, a perf, you know, a little bit, battered the cover slightly but the vinyl is in perfect condition on etiquette records it was it was like the find of the century and she almost flipped by it and she remembered that uh nick and i had been listening to the sonics on cassette as dubbed for us by phil mayrov and so uh jackie bought the record for two dollars and brought it back to Nick, and Nick still to this day, this is now 22 years later or so, maybe 23, more than that, probably 24 years later, uh, still has that Here Are the Sonics on vinyl on Etiquette Records in his collection at his home. And that took you to another level with your rock and roll. I mentioned Russo, who's in your book. He deserves credit for selecting a song that ended up on a Smuggler's 10-inch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he told me a lot about the... Who was Russell okay. for the people that don't know? And who is Russell? Russell Latowski is a, or was a huge figure in my life. He was a squatter, a hermit squatter that, uh, that was living beside us in Desolation Sound. And he kind of freaked me out at first because he looked like a cross between Willie Nelson and uh, and Charles Manson. But he actually was a really cool guy. And, you know, like at the time I was pretty young, like 13, 14. And he saw what, my, what we were listening to on cassette. And it was just greatest hits, greatest hits of Billy Joel, greatest hits of the Beach Boys, ABBA. And he goes, you know, you got to get into black rock and roll, man. And I said, what? You know, what are you talking about? He goes, you got to get into some of the cool stuff like, you know, Chuck Berry or the Coasters or Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, and all those bands are famous. You know, they've all had huge hits, but I didn't know who they were. And so I would go back into Vancouver and I would search them out at, at A&A Records at the Park Royal Mall and uh, switch some price tags and boom, I had a whole co uh, cassette collection. And... Uh, you know, uh, the, and the Coasters was one of those, I mean, they did uh, Yakety Yak, Don't Talk Back, and they did Charlotte Brown, Charlotte Brown, really cool novelty, mostly novelty songs written by Lieber and Stoller from uh, the Song Factory in New York. And one of the songs they did was That Is Rock and Roll, and I always loved it. And then I heard it years later on a Crawdaddy's record, and I said, oh, my God, this is this Coaster song. And, and so we covered it, and, uh, yeah, it's on the Smuggler's first full-length album, which I was able to give to Russell up in Desolation Sound, though he's, he's, he never actually listened to it. And you are Grant Lawrence, author of the book Adventures in Solitude, named after a new pornographer's song, but basically about your life, Grant Lawrence, growing up in rock and roll and your band, The Schmugglers, 
It's filled with garage rock, too. Not only because there are rocks and desolation sound, treacherous rocks, but because there's real garage rock there on page 186 of your book. You talk about meeting the drummer of the Squires. Is this true? Neil Young's early band, the Squires. Here you go on vacation to your summer place, and the drummer for Neil Young's most influential band of all time, the Squires, is your next-door neighbor, Mr. Harpoon? That's right. Uh, Jack Harpoon Harper was uh, the uh, drummer of the Squires, and uh, there's some recent huge Neil Young anthology that came out, like all sorts of CDs. Every time, put it like Jack was, the, he kept all the scrapbooks because he was like a total nerd, and uh, still is. And so basically, Jack. Uh, and Neil Young went to elementary school together in Winnipeg. They went to high school in Winnipeg. Both Neil Young and Jack the Harpoon Harper married their high school sweethearts. So um, Jack is still married to that woman. Her name is Pat. And Neil Young is still married to Peg. And they all four of them were best friends in high school, and they are still best friends to this day. And so Jack the Harpoon Harper and his wife, Pat, go down and visit Neil Young in California, and they hang out there. They get to stay there when the Youngs aren't there. And uh, one time, Jack the Harpoon Harper was in Neil Young's kitchen, and the phone rings. So Jack Harpoon Harper answers it, and the, the guy on the other end of the phone is like, yeah, is Neil there? And uh, Jack says, no, he isn't. Could I take a message? And he said, uh, yeah, can you tell him Bob called? And Harpoon says, Bob who? And he goes, Bob Dylan. And says, oh, okay, uh, thank you, Bob. Does, does Neil have your number? Yeah, he does. And then he hung up. All sorts of interesting people in Desolation Sound, all profiled in Adventures in Solitude by Grant Lawrence. And Grant is live here on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, 604-822-2487, 604-UBCITR, UBCCITR. Uh, have there been any callers? Not at the moment. There are no <laughs> callers. We will open the phone lines right now, and the phone lines are open, 604-822-247, 604-UBCCITR. Your book, Grant, Adventures in Solitude, on page 131, regarding your prose, you know, your writing style, where did you learn the phrase, quote, like a German shepherd on a teenage butt cheek? Where did I learn that phrase? Yes. I just, I think I just made it up. Uh, oh, you mean like what, what story does it refer to? Yes. Where did you hear that phrase? Well, I didn't, I didn't hear it. I just made up the phrase, but it refers to a story in the book. Caller, are you there? Yes. Uh, hold on one second. And other caller, are you there? Oh, I dumped one caller. Please phone back. Caller, are you there? I am there. Go ahead All to right, I'll Grant Lawrence. On you, Grant. Uh, and, um, sorry, an other caller did I cut off? Please phone back. So wait, hold it. You you were going for like a three, a four way there? Yes, I was trying to put everybody all on the air at the same time, oh and I unfortunately my. hit the wrong button. But go ahead, caller. Hey, Grant, great book. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, you mentioned uh, you reading Tintin a lot, on yeah. the, and you obviously did that when you were growing up. What is your favorite Tintin book? Uh, my favorite Tintin would probably, I mean, uh, there is a lot of them, and, and I, I switch back and forth, and one of my biggest disappointments in life is reaching the end of the uh, 
Tintin series. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just like I so desperately wanted more of them, you know. And then I, they, they started releasing, like, the early racist ones, which mm -hmm. really just aren't that satisfying because the art isn't that great. Um, but I would say, like, the best ones are definitely when the art gets good. The worst one is like that Castafore's Emerald, where it's just set all in Marlon Spike Hall, and mm. he doesn't like travel the world. Uh, so I would say, I would say the best one ever is the Temple of the Sun. Excellent. Uh, set in uh, the Amazon jungle. And are you dressing up as him again this year? Uh, I will probably yes. I'm going to be on Galliano Island for Halloween, and I, I actually do. The cool thing about the Tintin is my hair basically does Tintin all the time, and uh, just like I can get into, I'm wearing my Tintin shoes right now, and just with with a quick slip of the knickers and uh, a a beige trench coat, boom, Tintin. Well, thanks so much, caller, and do do to loot do. Get off the air. Uh, that doesn't quite work, but <laughs> caller, are you there? Hello, caller, are you there? Yes, hello, hello, Grant. Hi, it's uh, Josh Henderson, your uh, sister's buddy. Oh, hi, Josh. How are you? Good. I was just listening. Hey, I've always wondered, every time I, I ran into you, I've always forgotten to ask, are the rumors true? This is totally unrelated to your book, and I apologize for that. But did Nirvana fall asleep or pass out or sleep on your parents' floor one night before a concert? I uh, well, not, not before a concert, but after a concert. Yes, members of the band Nirvana stayed in my family home. Yes, uh, that is true. Uh, though not Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love were in the kitchen area of my home, but they, they kind of sussed the city and they wanted some privacy. So they ended up staying at, uh, do you remember Nardwar? It was like Capilano Inn or something like that. Like one of the hotel, the Travel Lodge just past Capilano Road uh, on Marine Drive in North Van because, of course, uh, there's no hotels in West Vancouver besides the uh, Horseshoe Bay Motor Inn. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl and their sound man all stayed. And they didn't sleep on the floor. Dave Grohl actually slept in my sister's bed. And what's interesting uh, about that, Grant and Caller, Grant, tell the caller about your sister and Nirvana. Well, my sister at the time, this was around, like, this was right when Nevermind was starting, because Nevermind came out and was not a hit record right away. It, it was like a, a slow burn. Within the year, it was a huge hit, but not at first. And uh, it came out, and it came out at the same time, I think, as, like, Copyright and Teenage Fan Club, something like that. And I think Teenage Fan Club was doing better than Nirvana at first. But uh, bandwagon-esque. But uh, anyhow, Nirvana was big enough to play the Commodore, and that's what they did. And uh, I think it was that gig. And uh, so my sister had no clue who Nirvana was because Nevermind wasn't a big record. And she wasn't home at the time. In fact, they were probably my parents and sister were probably up in Desolation Sound. And so uh, tie-in, you hear that, Nard? And, uh, and then so... Years later at the dinner table, like not a long time, but like two or three years later, my sister was hugely into Nirvana. And I said, well, you know, they stayed here, right? But at that time, there was probably a band a week staying at my parents' house. Band Fugazi stayed at my parents' house. Billy Childish and The Headcoats, The Mummies, all sorts of bands stayed there over the years. 
And so she was just sort of used to seeing musicians coming and going and not really paying attention to who they were. And when she yeah. found out that a couple of those uh, shaggy guys were was Nirvana, she freaked out. Because she was in the spirit of the West at that time. <laughs> I think so. And uh, Yeah, maybe spirit of the West, yeah. Any other questions at all, caller, for Grant Lawrence from The Smugglers and author of Adventures in Solitude? No, just a quick side note. Uh, Kurt Cobain tried to cross the border, and the border guard that he, he talked to booted him back and kept his passport. And his passport is in a safety deposit box of a friend of a friend right now in Vancouver who's too afraid to mention that for fear of repercussions. But his passport is in Vancouver in a safety deposit box. Wow. That's an amazing connection. That is. There you go. Nice to chat with you, Grant. And it also is a caller. And do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Now, what Kurt should have done is, instead of when he got to the board and said, you know, I'm in Nirvana, I'm playing a gig or whatever the problem was, he should have given a fake band name. And one of the favorite fake band names of Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, the smugglers, when you give it the border, is Hard Lunch. You love that, don't you, Grant? Uh, actually, the one that I used a lot was Stink finger and how did the guards react to that well that's the thing is after a while we were bringing so many bands up into canada with these fake recording letters and all sorts of bs we were almost we were getting to the point where we were coming up with the most ridiculously and and possibly offensive band names and we were or just stupid band names and we were making the band say it because we would just have we would just laugh to ourselves imagining them like we wouldn't discuss it we would just say okay uh you know we'd say okay man or astro man you're coming across the border but you can't be man or astro man you have to go under a pseudonym so we'd either send them something like offensive like stink finger or we would tell them something really ridiculous like um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Father Howdy and his Happy Good Time Bunch. And so they would have to say that at the border, and we get a, a kick out of that. And you are Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, 604-822-2487, or 604-UBCCITR, or you can also tweet me at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. And you can ask your question to Grant Lawrence from The Schmugglers, also from the CBC, and also author of the brand new book, Adventures in Solitude. Grant, for the actual book, how much did you write in Desolation Sound? Uh, Pretty much none of it. I mean, just at the very, very end this past summer when we were going through the final edits, I did some proofing up there just because I was there and it was all going down in august and uh i mean it it, it, like it's crazy like we it's so different than the music world like we were finishing like the the record or we were finishing the book like in august and it came out september 27th and yet you know i remember when when the smugglers made rosie we finished it on july 1st and it didn't come out till january you know but anyhow no i wrote most of it in my uh, apartment in Vancouver after work and late into the night. And we have another caller. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead to um, Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude. Yeah, it's, uh, as a, a fellow audiophile and music fan, uh, just in, from that perspective, 
What was A, your first ever concert, and B, the best concert you ever went to? Okay, well, um, now, caller, when you say concert, do you mean like a club show, or do you mean like... Well, I would say like a a, a well-known band, okay. like that kind of like, you know, Rolling Stones. Or sure, okay, the, the first concert I ever saw was when I was in grade 8, and myself and a couple of friends of mine who I am still friends with and, and actually still play hockey with these guys to this day, um, we went to see the ZZ Top Eliminator Tour. Oh, my God. Uh, at, um, at the Pacific Coliseum. I was in straight leg cast because I had dislocated my knees, my, both my knees I had dislocated. I was in straight leg cast, which made it incredibly awkward to sit in the stadium seating. And the head pins open for ZZ Top. Uh, I didn't think they were any good, but I thought ZZ Top were awesome. And I remember uh, my dad picked us all up from the concert, and I remember getting home. And so I was about 13, I guess, and I lay in bed after everyone had stopped talking and everyone stopped asking about the concert, and I lay in bed totally alone. And that was the first time that I ever had the sensation of my ears ringing. Nice. Yes, and then best concert that I've Ever. Let's just go back to Nirvana oh. for a second. <laughs> Caller, Grant got into Nirvana by just showing up at the gig early. You did that lots of times, didn't you, Grant? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember if this was at like... the Commodore Ballroom. You got there at two p.m. and stayed there right to when the gig, gig started, right? No, it wasn't two p.m. It was more like six or seven p.m. But yeah, that was a trick that we had before we were actually promoting the concerts of Nirvana. When we really, really wanted to see them. Actually, it might have been the cramps that that was the one you snuck into. Oh, maybe it was the cramps. But it was definitely before we were actually, you know, actually putting the concerts on. Um, I realized that because maybe we had put on a couple of concerts, I realized that at Soundcheck, the doors of the place are just open. You know, the venue is wide open. You can just walk in. You can see any band that you want sound checking anywhere you just walk right in everything's open because no one expects any member of the public to enter so uh, is it still like that now yes (laughs) i mean you could walk into the commodore at 6 p.m any night of the week and see whatever band is sound checking and uh so anyway go in and just we just sat at a table Myself and Dave, I guess it was for the cramps, and this was pretty, you know, a while ago. And we just sat there, we kind of sat hunched over like we were kind of junkies and sort of reading, and we just made ourselves look really, really bored. And we (laughs) sat there through the whole sound check. Nobody said anything to us. The staff started, you know, putting out the candles and stuff on the tables, and the bartenders started showing up, and still nobody asked us. And then... We realized that they were opening the doors soon, and we just stayed there looking bored and kind of reading. And then the doors were open, and people started coming in, and then we just got up and started mingling with them, and, and that was it. We were in. And in the case of the cramps, you got their home address, and you included them on their mailing list, the smugglers' mailing list, and they got mad at you, right? Yeah, they sent a <laughs> postcard saying, please stop sending us the smugglers' newsletter. And you thought it was interesting <laughs> because the cramps was the first band you ever saw that had an address that was Anna half, right? Yeah, I think so. And that was when they were living, they had moved to L.A. by that point. 
Caller, did Grant answer your second question about the best gig ever? Is that what you were wondering? No, yeah, I, he didn't get to that because you got, you interrupted with a Nirvana. Not no offense. Yeah, to you, the best live gig. You know, uh, I I'll tell you one of the biggest surprises that I ever had um, was I was I was I was never on the Arcade Fire train at all. Like you know, I, I'm like ah, oh, you know, to me they sort of sound washed out and. I'm not really that... But you did interview them the first time they came to town, and you didn't get on with them too well, right? No, they were they were a bit, like, there were sort of lots of in-jokes, and they weren't really paying attention to the questions, just sort of giggling amongst each other. I've done a few interviews with them, and um, every time I, there's an interview that involves Win Butler, it's always difficult, but anyhow. Um, so... Uh, uh, I, I, you know, they were playing a concert here in Vancouver, and I was like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I w actually want to see them. And uh, but I must admit, I was on the media list, so I went down, and Wolf Parade opened for them, and Wolf Parade sounded terrible, and that was actually the band that I liked. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful. This this room is too big. Wolf Parade sounds like garbage. And I love them. And then the Arcade Fire came on, and they sounded absolutely brilliant, crystal clear sound, completely anthemic. And I couldn't believe how incredibly good they were, like full-on crazed energy, which is something that I prided my own band on. But these guys were just like, I, I was stunned at what they could accomplish live, and uh, I, I think it's one of the best I've ever seen. They redeem themselves. Well, thanks so much for calling in, caller. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, i.e. Grant Lawrence caller? No, no, I, it was great to be able to, to ask the question. Thank you. Yeah, thank and you And if you want to check call. out info on Grant, grantlawrence.ca. So thanks so much, caller, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Do, do. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. We're speaking here today to Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, a brand new book that Grant wrote. Grant also is in the rock and roll band The Schmugglers. And the number to call is 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR, if you have any questions for Grant. And we have actually an email question for you and it goes as follows it's from ludwig's fan at yahoo.ca grant congratulations on your new book i recall a time when your forays into writing were um, more abbreviated like the time you reviewed the ludwig's cassette in discorder with a one word review no is that the question? Yes. Yeah. That I for many years I wrote for Discorder magazine. That magazine from CITR. First, I distributed it in West Vancouver to Stongs and places like that. Um, but then I started writing for it, and I, I I ended up eventually doing some cover stories. I did. Uh, cover story on some pano DBS. and dbs and dbs were known for eating their cum uh, yes yeah and i think that was in the article and then uh zampano i did that first big interview with carl newman who went on to the new pornographers and i remember he enraged zulu because uh he slagged off the entire staff of zulu um because he i remember the quote he he went into zulu 
and he said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, uh, you know, for this, this band, uh, The Darts, you know, have you ever heard of them? And uh, the guy behind the counter said, have you ever heard of the alphabet, bitch? Ba-boom! But how about the Ludwigs, though? You did oh, yeah. a review of the band The okay, Ludwigs. Okay, so the Ludwigs were this, this weird sort of rock and roll band that moved out from Winnipeg to Vancouver, and they played all the time at the New Music Showcase, Monday night at the Town Pump, where you handed out tickets to all your friends, and with each ticket that came in, you got a dollar. It was one of the most insulting <laughs> I mean, practices. It was just an awful system, but that's what they did. And... Uh, so the Ludwigs played that all the time. Like they got to like headlining status on uh, the New Music Monday at the Town Pump, and I wasn't a big fan. And I was doing music reviews for the Discorder, and you know I was trying to get creative, and um, so I, I just decided to you know keep it brief, and and um, uh, it was a negative review, and so I just put uh, I just put the word no. Caller, are you there? I am here. Go ahead to Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude. Hello, Grant Lawrence. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Um, I guess my question is uh, in regards to your uh, The Smuggler's Guide to Great Sex, Our Tour Diaries. Right. Um, I was wondering, would you make that into a book ever? Well, you know, uh, that is what I thought was going to be the first book. And I remember when uh, the CBC lockout strike thing happened about five years ago. I'm like, oh, gee, what, are, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm not working at CBC. I, I, um, I've got all this time off, you know, because we were at CBC. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but in 2005, the lockout started in um, like the beginning of August and lasted all the way to uh, to Thanksgiving. It, it was it was only Hockey Night in Canada that brought us all back. Um, so I had all this time off, and I was thinking to myself, well, geez, maybe I'll make use of this time, and I will turn the smugglers' tour diaries into a book. Because, you know, I've been keeping them for years, and they're all crazy, and um, a lot of the smugglers fans we would often get better feedback on the tour diaries than we would our records so uh, i thought there was an audience for it so what i did it was because i had all that time off i took the computer and i went up to desolation sound but i could never concentrate on just pushing putting these tour diaries together because i was loving being up in desolation sound so much and it was actually that big long stretch in 2005 that actually made me think geez maybe i should actually be doing a doing a book instead of doing this uh they're doing doing a book about desolation sound instead of doing the smugglers thing maybe the smugglers thing can wait and when the uh, book went out to publishers every, all these publishers were like no 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 we want you to write a music book so maybe uh well this, the smugglers you know tour diaries will be next I, th I think it is, because I think, you know, I hope they serve beer in hell. The Tucker Max book, uh, you know, he talks about all their, his scandalous clad sex dealings, and also Bukowski. I mean, it's, it's what people want, I think. They want sex. However, caller, in Grant's new book, Adventures in Solitude, there is some sex in the book. For instance, Grant and caller, on page 218, Grant, you have the sentence, Jenna loosened her grip on the paddle. Never missing a stroke. Wow. 
And you also mentioned 21 Hump Street and shaving Ryan Privates. Uh, yeah, I think I meant, I didn't mention 21 Hump Street. I mentioned the little sperm maid. Baboon, but what was Jenna loosening her grip on the paddle? I, I think she was tightening her grip on the paddle because she was pissed off with me because I had appeared naked in front of her. Any other questions at all, caller, for Grant Lawrence? <laughs> yes, I was wondering, uh, when were you working on Q, and were you there for the infamous uh, Billy Bob incident? Uh, I never actually worked on Q. I was a contributor to Q here and there, so I've always worked out of uh, Vancouver. Um, no, I, I uh, was not present during the Billy Bob uh, encounter, but... Uh, I was in Desolation Sound when the Billy Bob encounter happened, and because the show airs time zone, time zone, time zone, it rolls out across the West. Uh, I'm a good friend of Gian's, and Gian actually texted me that day and said, you have got to hear this insane interview that I did with Billy Bob Thornton. Be sure to listen to it. And because I got that text from Gian, I flipped on the radio in Desolation Sound, and I heard it. And that is before it went viral. It took them about three hours to upload the entire thing to YouTube. And as soon as it hit YouTube, it went viral. And, and, uh, and, but he, had, you know, he just thought it was a weird interview. He had no idea it was going to take off like that. Well, thanks so much, caller. And oh, just, one, more, one more thing. I was, I was wondering if, you ever, if you're a good friend of Gian Gameshi. Is he, is he like, super upset if you bring about his old, his old shows of uh, his music career? when he was in Moxie Fruvis? Is that like a touchy subject for well, him? Well, it's funny because when Nardwar and Gian Gameshi talk, that's all they talk about because Nardwar has, a, has uh, held a grudge against Moxie Fruvis for 20 years because the evaporators were once booked into the famous 930 Club in Washington, D.C., uh, one of the most famous rock venues in all of the United States. And... Uh, they get to the, the venue and they find out that they've been bumped, that their show has been canceled because another band wanted the venue, that band being Moxie Fruvis. Well, thanks so much, caller, and doot doot a loot do. Toot toot. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And we have Grant Lawrence from The Smugglers, an author of Adventures in Solitude. Grant, I have a few tweet questions which kind of relate to what I want to ask you about the CBC. One of them here is from Jamie Trevor, and he asks for you to explain yourself. Well, he says... Isn't Grant a DJ on CBC2? What exactly do you do? Um, I am not a DJ on CBC Radio 2. Um, I think he meant CBC2. I don't think he meant CBC like 2, like 200, not CBC2. Sorry. So, I mean, I'm, I am a host on CBC Radio 3. I used to be a host on CBC Radio 2 uh, from about... 1998 to 2007, then that show got cancelled, and they moved everything over to CBC Radio 3, and I've been a host, a daily host, Monday to Friday on CBC Radio 3, uh, on our web station, and on Sirius Satellite Radio uh, since 2007. And we also have another tweet question from R. Langdon, and she asks, what is your best ever Halloween costume? Was that Tintin? Well, I, I dress in Tintin every year, um, but probably, I mean, I, I went in phases. Like, when I was a little nerd, I always...
always dressed as Indiana Jones, and that never really worked out. Uh, best ever Halloween costume, yeah. I would say it would be Tintin because I can really, really nail that, and people know it ex immediately. Uh, they know that it's Tintin. Um, but I will say it has backfired. I once, uh, One time the Smugglers played in Southern California with a punk band from England called Dagobah, which is a Star Wars reference, and this guy got a job in Vancouver, and he moved to Vancouver. And he was having a welcoming party for himself and his wife, and it was on Halloween, this English couple. So they invited me, and they said, yeah, you know, you should come to our Halloween party. I said, okay, great. So I dressed full-on Tintin, you know, the, I got makeup on, you know, I've got the little white dog, the whole deal. And I get there, and it's a dinner party. They don't know why the hell I'm dressed up. They can't figure it out. And then I'm like, what the hell? You know, Halloween party, you're all supposed to be in costume. And they said, we don't do that in England. We have another tweet from Lumiere Blue, who says, hard facts wanted about how many people you grant have smuggled. Eight years ago, he smuggled me into the international noise conspiracy hive show at the tender age of 17. Wow. Huh. Have you smuggled many people into shows? And what can you tell the people about that, Grant? Because the smugglers headlined that show. The smuggler, or did no, they? No, no, we were, we were in the middle. The hives opened for us. You made the hives open for you. <laughs> but this tweeter is saying, thank you. You smuggled them in many years ago yeah, at the age well, of 17. How many people? Have, have you smuggled many people into gigs? Yeah, I've done that over the years. I've always tried to make sure that kids get into bar shows and stuff like that, you know, because people did it for me, so I try to, you know, I try to play it back. But, um, you know, I've also smuggled human beings across the border uh, within the smuggler's tour van. I remember... Um, we were on tour with this bassist who was in a really bad car accident. He, so he talked like this. Yeah, he, he talked like a pirate. And uh, he was just like this out-of-control guy. And we were like, this is not going to go over well at the border. So we put him in the, <laughs> we put him in the back of the van and threw, a <laughs> and threw a blanket over him and told him to keep quiet. And then another time, we snuck a girl, an underage girl, uh, across the border who was at the time dating our uh, guitarist, Nick. She, she met up with him in Regina, Saskatchewan, and kept going with him in more ways than one all the way to, uh, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Grant, we have another tweet question for you from Amber Needs Help. And again, you are Grant Lawrence speaking to me, Nardwar to Human Serviette, on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Grant wrote a book called Adventures in Solitude. And Grant, you will be talking and reading from your book this Monday in Vancouver at? At uh, the Vancouver Public Library uh, at 7 p.m. Monday night uh, down there at Library Square. And uh, yeah, uh, my wife, Jill Barber, will also be playing a couple songs. And Amber needs help, is simply asking, how are you doing, Grant? Sometimes celebs need some lovin'. Oh, that's, that's nice. Who's the celeb? You. Oh, um, yeah, I, I get plenty of lovin'. Uh, we're doing this, we're, we're doing this like, 
Vancouver Island small town book tour. So I'm meeting a lot of really, really nice people and eating at nice little cafes and going to little art galleries and bookstores. So I'm, I'm getting plenty of loving, but thank you very much, Amber. There's another test. Well, actually, John, John Teeter. John Teeter. Here we have an tweeter from John Teeter, and it is to you, Grant, and it says, what is the weirdest thing you've been to at a hospital in Desolation Sound for? I.e., what's the weirdest thing you've been to the hospital for something when you've been in Desolation Sound? A sprained fingernail? No. Um, thankfully, I, I've, I've only had to go to the hospital once while in Desolation Sound, and uh, my uh, co-worker, Lisa Christensen, who's also a host at Radio 3, came up with her kids, and they arrived at um, 3 p.m. By 6 p.m., we were in the hospital in Powell River, and what happened was I took them out to a beautiful little collection of islands called the Kermie Islands, just uh, north of Mink Island in the dead center of Desolation Sound. Beautiful little islands that you can swim across, but one of the... Um, defining uh, features of these little islands is that the oyster shells grow straight up and down. And the and oyster shells, part of their natural protection, is that the edge of oyster shells can be as sharp as a razor blade and can just slice flesh very easily. And uh, so this kid, Lisa's kid, is swimming along, swims too close to these oysters that are standing on their edge and cleanly slices his knee right down to the bone on uh, these oyster shells and Lisa freaks out she's screaming she's panicking she can see the fat she can see the flesh the bone everything I say oh no it's fine it's fine let's just hang out you know I'll, I'll pour some beer on it which is kind of my remedy for everything up there and he'll be fine He's kind of screaming, sort of out of control. I'm like, no, no, he'll, he'll calm down. It's cool. It's cool. She said, we need to get to, you know, the hospital. And she grabbed her cell phone, and she called 911. And uh, she, the 911 operator came on and, and said, well, where are you? And she said, I have no fucking idea. And I said, okay, okay, look, tell the ambulance to meet us at the Oakover Government Wharf. So I loaded them all up into the boat, put a little tourniquet on the kid's leg, and, uh, you know, one of those six-pack, plastic six-pack rings, I just tied that around his, his leg as I was done. And uh, we raced Big Bucks into the Oak Over Wharf. He got loaded onto a stretcher. Apparently, the uh, cut was much more severe than I had uh, diagnosed, and he got, like, I don't know, 34 stitches or something like that. And did he come back? Yeah, he came back the next day, but I had to just sit on the couch inside the cabin. Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, up to Desolation Sound again, page 261 of your book. I got a bit confused. There's a line there that goes, then Jillian came along. It's the first time that Jillian is mentioned in your book. Now, I have glasses, and I know your wife is Jillian, but I know her name is J-I-L-L, -L, and it's the first time that I'm reading this in your book, Then 
came Jillian. Then Jillian came along. And so I'm looking at this quickly, and I'm thinking, who the hell is Jillian with a G? You're spelling it with a G. But I misread it because, again, my eyes aren't so great. I thought it said Gilliam, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> so I thought you are saying, then Gilliam came along, and the movie <laughs> deal happened. Why did you phrase it that way? It was so confusing for me. Well, because whenever Jill and I are in very romantic situations, I refer to her by her real name, which is Jillian. Uh, it had nothing to do with the movie deal, nothing to do with Terry Gilliam, nothing to do with Bob Denver, uh, nothing to do with anything like that. You just misread it. It is Jillian Jill being short for Jillian. I just thought it was weird. The first time you introduce your wife into the book, you're spelling it the way I'm not used to. Well, it was and I'm a little. Looking at it was, it and I was afraid. So maybe you should have said Jillian Barber. Well, I'm sorry I didn't include her. You know, her her web address in there next to it in brackets. You mentioned a movie deal. Is there maybe going to be a movie deal on this? Have you had any offers? Well, I was talking to to Bruce McDonald the other day um, about. Uh, now there's hey hey call the call the UBC janitor get somebody in there to sweep up a couple of names that are being thrown around, but uh, I was talking to film director Bruce McDonald and uh, uh, but I was talking to him about Hardcore Logo and Hardcore Logo Two and I had to hold myself back from saying hey uh, you know ever ever thought of making you know kind of a Beachcombers you know Beachcombers meets The Hangover meets The Shining. Um, but uh, I didn't. So, but yeah, you know, I'd be, I'd love for him to, you know, make a movie out of it. Grant, for your book, you changed a few names, didn't you? Roger the Skinhead isn't really Roger the Skinhead, is he? Well, there's a few characters that have a few disparaging, shall we say, disparaging character traits. Um, that I, what I did was there. There was a bunch of sort of um, nasty characters, and I. I combined a bunch of people into uh, a couple of different characters. So, like, there's a character in the first half of the book that is threatening people with a knife. His name is Mac the Knife. Well, that is actually about three different people that all had sort of violent episodes up there that I combined into one character named Mac the Knife. Uh, there, with Roger the Dodger, that is a combination of about three different people as well that all did really crazy things up there. Desolation Sound is amazing, all the history associated with it, and you added a whole bunch of other little tidbits there associated with your own personal relations with people up there. For instance, you mentioned your mom meeting John Wayne. What wharf did she meet John Wayne? Yeah, well, actually, it was me and my mom. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I have met John Wayne. Okay, go yeah, ahead, Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures <laughs> in Solitude, about Desolation Sound. Again, in case people are just joining us right now, what is Desolation Sound? Uh, it is an uh, area on the B.C. coastline that is boat access only, uh, north of uh, the Sunshine Coast, north of a little town called Lund. Uh, no roads, just a few cabins, lots of mountains, oceans, and lakes. And your buddy Russell walked to Desolation Sound? That's incredible. Walking there? Yeah, he walked over the Coast Mountain Range, which is one of the wildest mountain ranges in the world. What do you remember about meeting John Wayne? Anything? You have his autograph, right? Yeah, I do. I still have his autograph to this day, uh, and it's in my little collection of, of treasures. And... Uh, 
I, I d- basically do not remember it. Um, he and his boat cruised. Because a lot of celebrities come up to yeah. Desolation Sound yeah. and go there for the summertime. Have a lot of celebrities ever like anchored outside of your place and then come ashore and like they're punk rockers and stuff like that? Well, no. I remember um, there was an absolutely massive yacht in... Uh, nearby in a place called Galley Bay, and it actually had a car on it in the back, and it was this really nice car that they unloaded. I don't know how the hell they did it, but uh, it had this really nice car and jet skis and all sorts of stuff on it, and the rumor was was that Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, when he was still with her, were in the area and that that was their boat. And speaking of Galley Bay and research and stuff, you researched sexually transmitted disease in Galley Bay of hippies? Yeah, I did, actually. Crabs and uh, scabies and uh, boils. I don't think boils are STDs, but, you know, it was a hippie commune, and, uh, you know, they, they didn't really think about that type of, of health. Now, it was in the 1960s, and author Paul Williams wrote a book, Apple Bay, about it. Did you contact Paul Williams, the author, writing about Galley Bay, which is pretty amazing. Like, here you are at your summer place. Is it wrong to call it your summer place? I kind of no, just call no, it the summer, summer, your summer. summer place in Desolation Sound. And then right near to you is Galley Bay, a failed hippie colony from the 1960s. And one of the dudes who founded Craw Daddy Magazine wrote a book about it, but he didn't say it was Galley Bay. He said it was Apple Bay. Did yeah. you contact him? Um, I tried very, very hard to contact him. They started up Crawdaddy again in San Diego, where he lives now, and I sent him email after email. Tried calling the number, uh, just would he never responded. He ne- he never wrote me back. Never called me back. Uh, it's a shame, but um, yeah, Crawdaddy was the first critical rock and roll magazine in the United States predating Rolling Stone magazine. So the only real music magazine in the States was Billboard magazine. And uh, that was sort of charts and it was sort of an industry magazine which told what records were coming out. And then uh, there was a few sort of teeny bop magazines that were you could find at drugstores and stuff. But Crawdaddy was the first magazine that came out in New York City in the mid-1960s that said if a record was good or bad. It actually gave editorial opinions on the records, the first one in all of the United States, and that guy ended up at a crazed hippie commune in Desolation Sound. And Grant, your book is Adventures in Solitude, and this Monday in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, you're going to be at the Vancouver Public Library. Some more information on that, please. Yeah, 7 p.m., Vancouver Public Library, one of those uh, atmospheric rooms downstairs, and uh, I'll be telling some of these stories. I'll be reading a couple. I will be showing slides from Desolation Sound, showing a little movie and uh, answering questions. And my wife, Jill, is going to play a couple songs. Jillian, to you. And you are Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude, a brand new book 
There's some stuff that's not in the book. Perhaps for the second version of the book, The Dodie Files, you will include the Subway Sandwich story. Yeah, well, that didn't happen in Desolation Sound. But The Dodie Files might include that. Oh. What can you tell the people about the Subway Sandwich story that I have tried to tell many people and it never quite works out? Okay, all right. The Subway Sandwich story. You know, when does this show end? Uh, probably pretty soon. Okay, because my the load-in for the book event is in like seven minutes. Oh, I love that. The load-in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the load-in. We have actually quite a few more questions. Oh, my God. Well, the thing, I have to be at the venue at five. Well, what will you do, phone back next week? Well, I, I will if you want me to. You... I'll be next week on Friday. I'll be in Powell River. This is, like, pretty amazing that, like, somebody says they have to be at a book launch. I can see, like, you got to load in your equipment if you're a band. <laughs> but to load in for a book launch? No, I've got a projector. I've got a screen. I've got my computer. Jill has her guitar. We've got a microphone. It's like a whole show. Well, Grant Lawrence, perhaps you might have to phone in next week on the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show to finish this off. Well, sure, I could do that, or I can tell you the subway story. Well, why don't you take us out right now, Grant Lawrence, from the Schmugglers, with the subway sandwich and flashlight stories. Okay, well, wait, that's two completely different stories. These are stories that are not in your book, Adventures in the Solitude. Okay, why don't you take us out with the subway sandwich, and you can leave us for next week okay. with the flashlight... So we can finish off speaking to you, Grant Lawrence, okay. from Adventures in Solitude. Okay, who canceled today, by the way? Ba-boom! Okay, so Subway Sandwich Story. Okay, so this guy that we know um, who actually ended up, he's movies, and one of his movies actually, years after this story, actually ended up winning a whole bunch of... Hello? Sorry, Grant. I wasn't giving you the hook there. I was trying to put through another caller. Okay. I kind of made a mistake there. Nothing like hearing dial tone. It's like interviewing the Crystal Castles. Ba-boom. Again, 604-822-2487, UBCCITR, if you'd like to phone back, caller, for Grant Lawrence, author of Adventures in Solitude. Go ahead again, okay. back to the subway so much, because when I interviewed Margaret Cho, I tried to tell her this story. Yeah, I know. Um, and she said, was it a six-inch? No, we can't give... Now we oh. just gave it away. No, we haven't, we haven't given anything away. I, everyone knows that Subway sandwiches of either six inches or 12 inches. So, okay, so this guy who ends up being like an Oscar award-winning movie dude, uh, he is living in the upper lawn sale area of North Vancouver, and he's coming home, and he decides to pick up a, uh, a Subway sandwich for dinner. And he's walking down Lonsdale towards his apartment, and he realizes that he really needs to go to the bathroom extremely badly, number two. And uh, so he is rushing along, and um, he's, he's really thinking, like, oh, this is getting really bad. This is really, really bad. And then he realizes when he's just at the front door of his apartment, it suddenly hits him that he is not going to make it inside to his apartment. And so what he does is he goes alongside the building between some bushes and the side of his apartment building, and he, he whips off his pants, 
squats down and just has this horrible explosive diarrhea beside the building and afterwards he's going okay i gotta you know clean this up i gotta clean myself up he's looking around and he's you know searching his pockets of his jacket for paper he doesn't have any so then he uh, decides to use um he, he says well i've got my subway sandwich and anyone who's ever ordered a subway sandwich knows they put like you know basically like uh, you know a tree's worth of of napkins in there serviettes and uh this time of all times he goes into the bag and there's not a single serviette in the subway sandwich bag so then he's like well i'll use the wax paper that's wrapped in the this subway sandwich but it just is too smooth there's not enough roughage on uh, the wax paper so what he does is he then goes oh the hell with it you know it's only a cold cut combo so he takes the subway sandwich and he wipes his ass with the subway sandwich now right oh and by the way here in salt spring island i'm getting a bit of a crowd gathered around the payphone here right at this moment that this guy this future oscar winning movie guy is wiping his ass with a subway sandwich this side this small side window opens on the side of his building and out pops from the window the head of his landlord looking down upon the guy wiping his ass with the subway sandwich with you know kind of like what the hell do you think you're doing is this sort of mr furley type guy and he says oh you know oh, i'm really sorry i'm really sorry and he goes you can't what the, you can't do that what are you doing and this huge uproar starts like you know please be quiet so he pulls up his pants and he gets into his uh, hotel, in, into his uh, apartment and locks the door. Manages to exist at that apartment complex for another three weeks till the first of the month, and then without seeing anyone, manages to avoid all of his neighbors for three weeks, coming and going, uh, just sort of running out, dashing out side doors, back doors, until the first of the month when he moved out. Everybody always asks, Grant, what about the serviette that was in with the 7-inch or the 12-inch? I know everybody always asks about that. They always ask me, too. But the answer to that question is this is the one time that Subway did not stuff the bag with those white serviettes. And people wonder, why didn't he use the bag? The, he tried both the bag and the the wax paper, and he just it just wasn't doing the job. So tune in next week for the conclusion of <laughs> Nardward a Human Serviette versus Grant Lawrence, Grant being the author of Adventures in Solitude, a brand new book all about desolation sound and Grant also being a rock and roller from the CBC and also the Schmugglers. Now to reward the listeners for listening through this entire interview Grant Lawrence of Adventures in Solitude and actually you're going to be speaking about your book not only in Salt Spring like right now but on Monday in Vancouver. Maybe you could tell the people about that one last time. Yeah, 7pm at the uh, Vancouver Main Library Library Square downstairs in one of the, the you know like the k meek room or something like that and uh and it'll be uh, lots of fun
and lots of stories. Now, to reward you, listeners of CITR, we have some tickets to give away. Doug from the band Dirt. Do you remember the band Dirt at all, Grant? Yes, I do. They, they actually gave us the Smuggler's first ever gig at the Town Pump. He is putting on a gig tonight. It's amazing. There are tons of bands playing. Poxy Music, a Roxy Music tribute. The Spasm Cramps, that's Gord Badanek and Erica Laren doing some cramp stuff. The Bombshells, Curious George, the Groovaholics, the Relixos, the Rosillos tribute. The Ramores doing their Ramones. All this is happening tonight at the rickshaw if you'd like to go the first two callers 604-822-2487 that's 604-UBC-CITR for this gig that's happening tonight at the rickshaw Doug from Dirt's putting on this amazing big gig tons of bands are playing 604-822-2487-UBC-CITR if you'd like to go right now grant we're going to end with vancouver bc by the smugglers which i think came out around the same time as doug dirt seven inch right right on yeah that, that was uh the the dirt seven inch on clear vinyl was one of the first i reviewed in the scorer anything you want to tell the people all at all at all at all, at all, at all grant about the smugglers and your book Oh, no, I don't really talk about the smokers that much in the book. They're, that's kind of like the section I left out so I could have stuff for the next book. Why should people care about Adventures in Solitude, aside from tuning in next week to get part two? What time do you think you can phone in next week? Uh, probably the same time. Why should people care about Adventures in Solitude, Grant Lawrence? Well, uh, I hope that people care about Adventures in Solitude uh, because I hope they can relate to it. I mean, if, if anyone who is a teenager, has ever been dragged to a place that their parents wanted to go to, but you didn't, then you'll be able to relate to it. And anyone who has ever tried to uh, find the end of the road will be able to relate to it as well. Well, thanks so much, Grant. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do Do-do.
Just because fall is in full force doesn't mean you have to be stuck inside. Bike to work week.